0: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. It's Newsday, Kieran, but I just wanted to say something at the start, uh, mainly, Kieran, because I'm never sure how many people are still listening at the end,
1: to be perfectly (laughs) honest.
0: Once I've had a little sprinkling of football finance <laughs> and a large dollop of 70s music nostalgia and some carry-on style humour. I'm not sure how many of them are still there, but I just wanted to say a massive thank you to all of you uh, <coughs> who sent me such kind messages of goodwill. Um, I've read them all. I haven't replied to them all because there's just so many, but I have read them all and I'm, I'm overwhelmed at the, the love uh, and affection that was shown to me and it's, it, really, it really does... Mean a lot to me, so thank you, everybody, for that. Um, thank you for your kind words, Kieran. They really were appreciated. And now, let's never mention it again in true manly style. Okay. We're South London blokes. Enough, enough of this South London bloke sentiment. Um, uh, but talking of South London blokes, um, uh, and I couldn't have been more proud of my club at the weekend. Not only the two 0 win, but the, the messages of affection I had from them. But interesting financial news coming out of Crystal Palace today, Kieran.
1: Yes. Um, what we've seen is that there are some documents which have been sent to Companies House which appear to indicate that uh, John Textor, who is the, the new investor, uh, it looks as if he's put in around about £5 million into the club. But at the same time, uh, he's ended up with somewhere between a quarter and a half of, of the ownership. Um now you know crystal <coughs> palace is worth a lot more than than you know four four times 5 million pounds so hmm. one can only assume that what has happened is that he has uh, bought shares from other shareholders there's there's two ways for 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 a person to buy into any business including a football club a the that that person buys shares from the other shareholders and b um the club or the company physically issues shares and receives cash so it looks as if it's been a bit of cash for the club and an awful lot more cash for the other shareholders if the Mm. I i think it's been mooted that he's put in around about 87 million pounds in total so, so that's where we stand at present. Uh, you know, clearly, you're closer to Palace and, and you know, the, the other Palace fans who, who I've, <coughs> I've got to know over the course of this, this show uh, are that much closer. But um, it's good that they have lodged the documents. So, so we do have a bit more transparency. And, and uh, I, I think it would, it would be useful if, if the club just clarified the position.
0: Well, it's an interesting one, Kim, because i I thought they had, and a, a brief check with other Palace fans in the WhatsApp group tonight, including uh, the lovely Princess Julian, who you met, who fanboyed all over <laughs> you in the pub before the Brighton game, uh, who's very interested in football fans. We we were all of the the opinion that we thought we had invested eighty million pounds. This was the figure we thought we had in our heads. Um, and when the investment was introduced, it was specifically talked about as being investment in the infrastructure. So this is interesting that he seems to be buying more shares. Is this, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, is this a sign, Kieran, that he might be trying to acquire a bigger chunk of the club? or...?
1: Um no I I think some of the other shareholders are diluting their investment and 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 it could be that they're cashing in. Um and and it could be that he you know another document gets lodged in a few days time which says he's he's bought more shares so I I can only go on, on what I've seen in, in in the public domain to date. Uh, but clearly he's you know you know he is a significant investor in Palace Um, and uh, there does appear to be now quite a a broad range of people from a variety of industries who have put money into the club Um, and I Hmm. I think it's no surprise that the money is coming from the USA because all the noises that I'm getting from uh, a lot of people connected to investors is that they do feel that the Premier League in particular is vastly undervalued and it's it's trying to unlock the door as to how you can actually make a lot of money out of of a business, which compared to the MLS, uh, you know, Palace is is worth around about you know a half to a third of of, of a few MLS clubs. And you know, mm-hmm. and this this isn't me sucking up to you or denigrating uh, the, the American football system, but you know, Palace are a much bigger item as far as uh, global football is concerned because they're attached to the Premier League.
0: Yeah, and in, in true football fan style, most Palace fans I know are sincerely wishing he doesn't think it's going to be like this all the time, that he's turned up this summer. We've got a new manager. There's a feel-good factor about us. We're beating Man City away from home. He needs to know what it's really like nine seasons <laughs> out of ten. <coughs> Let's see how much money he starts putting in then. Um, uh, this big story is to kick off with, Kieran, and uh, I don't think it's come as any surprise, not to you. And I, I, I. when I first heard this noise, this noise, when I first heard this new no, this noise is what we call the pod. Um, when I first heard the news, my, my initial reaction was, I wonder what sort of dancing shoes Kieran's going to be putting on. Is he going to be putting on jazz, jazz dancing shoes or ballet dancing shoes? Because the former FIFA president, Seth Blatter, and the former UEFA boss, Michel Platini, have been charged with fraud, Kieran. Big news.
1: Yes, um, they have both been subject to sanctions from FIFA uh, in respect of uh, 2 million Swiss francs, which was given to Michel Platini by FIFA in in around about 2010, 2011. Now, according to uh, Blatter and Platini, this was... In respect of a verbal contract between the two individuals, now a, a verbal contract is is enforceable. The, the trouble is, you know, who who can actually, apart from the two parties involved, there's nobody else in the room who can say that 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 contract ever took place, and and that's why yeah you know, we always say get things in writing and get things signed and get things mm-hmm. approved. Um, Platini said that he wasn't initially paid the money because FIFA was skint which to me seems a little bit strange because FIFA is not as, uh, not as wealthy as UEFA because it's, it's only generating money once every four years, but it, it's still not a pauper. Um, but um, as, as well as FIFA getting involved um, and FIFA had suspended the, the individuals, the, the Swiss federal authorities started to investigate around about six years ago, and they have now come up. With a a threat um, of uh, of fraud and uh, and misappropriation of of funds of FIFA, so they're effectively acting on behalf of FIFA with regards to this. Um, the the two people involved, you know, Sepp Blatter's eighty five, Michel Platini's, uh, you know, I think he's uh, late sixties. Um, they're claiming it's all for uh, consultancy work now. You know I I remember uh, investigating the accounts of of a few companies in the um, in the entertainment industry, and they always used to have an unusual expense heading called chocolate and flowers. Um, and I go, they're spending a fortune on chocolate and flowers, and then I sort of you know, yeah, and and always cash payments as well. So it does appear to be um, you know something which you know, consultancy is a very very vague word. Um, and and I subsequently also found out that these these chocolate and flowers appear to be quite powdered um, from when yeah. I when I eventually traced uh, back to the uh, back to the source of the supply, um, and I decided to go and investigate no further for because I was I was quite attached to my kneecaps in those days, and and yeah. I wanted to remain in a similar similar frame of mind.
0: Yeah, I, I remember thinking here in my early days in show showbiz, people are very excited about the chocolate arriving. Yes, this <laughs> is three o'clock. Three o'clock in the morning seems a strange time for a man on a motorbike to be delivering chocolate. Um, it's, I, I mean, as soon as you hear the phrase "verbal contract," I mean that's the sort of thing your uncle Terry would say. We had a we had a verbal contract. I promised I'd beat him up if he didn't pay me the money, so he paid me the money. But two million dollars. I mean, that's the sort. That's not the sort of amount. That's not a mate saying, "Can, I, can you lend me fifty quid?" That's that immediately sounds suspicious. Doesn't it? So, who's who's charged them? Is it the Swiss? Government have charged them with fraud. It,
1: it's it's the Swiss federal authority, yes. So um, yeah, and, and I, th- I think the that the Swiss legal system is conscious that perhaps historically it's it's not had the greatest of press. With regards mm. to um, the way it's looked after money, and, and therefore it, it now really has tried to up the game in certain regards. And you know, it's, it, the Swiss authorities are also very felt, very proud that FIFA is is based in Switzerland, and yeah. Um, yeah, they want to protect the organisation itself. Um, and, and they've they've done that in their view because they, they believe that this money has been um, inappropriately given to Michel Platini um uh, on, on on the say of, of Set Blatter, and you know we, we don't know the details and, and presumably they will come out but you know neither of these guys are in the uh, in the first flush of youth so uh, you know it it could it could uh, it could grind on for some time but i i think they're quite anxious to to accelerate the uh, the, the prosecution as quickly as they can
0: mm-hmm. West Ham's owners are selling a big chunk of the club for 175 billion pound and amid rumors that they might be offloading the whole thing in a year or so.
1: Yes, um the the interest here is coming from a guy called Daniel Kretinsky who uh is a uh, he's based in the Czech Republic. He's a very successful investor. Um and uh, if if the stories are true, he's buying just over a quarter of the club. For you know, somewhere in the region of 150 to 200 million pounds, that values West Ham at uh, 600, 700 million pounds, um, which uh, you know, is is a lot of money. It's twice the amount that West that uh, so that Newcastle United went for only last month. Um, but the the issues with regards to well, why is he just buying a quarter of it? Uh, appear to be linked to the the position um, of uh, the two Davids, Golden Sullivan, in that they have an agreement with uh, LLDC, who are the the previous owners of the the London Stadium. Well, still still the former owners. That if they they do sell the club at a profit, um, then twenty percent of the profits would go to LLDC if that takes place before twenty twenty three. So what we've uh-huh. got here is uh, <clears throat> Daniel Kratinsky if, if this goes ahead um, then he builds up a minority stake with a view to a potential takeover in 2023 and uh, David golden David Sullivan from, from a uh, from a sharing of profits point of view will be able to keep the profits for themselves at the same time I, I think they are both sort of you know, in an ideal world want some Status still to remain at the club, whether it's life president or mm. some some sort of gong, uh, because yeah, they they in, in their view that they have they have rescued the club uh, when when it did have a lot of problem with the former Icelandic owners. They've lent money to the club, although they have charged interest for it. Um, yeah. And at present, you know, West West Ham are looking absolutely fantastic on the pitch as well.
0: Mm. It, the the valuation is interesting, Kieran, because it's not that long ago that David Gold was saying it's worth a billion at least
1: yes i mean if you go to Karen Brady's personal website I think she's uh, she said they turned down an offer of eight hundred million pounds um and, and i and I've been talking to to some people who have got you know vacant you know indirect and direct connections um and, and they see that they 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 reiterate that that was a was a genuine bid um uh, but that uh, David Golden, David Sullivan felt that that undervalued the club at the time. So it looks as if they are they are going to accept uh, a, a lower figure. Uh, you know, I I always felt that a, a billion pounds for a, a stadium where you don't have control over it, you're effectively renting. It. It's it's not like it's not like mm. Spurs's stadium where you know they can they can use it for NFL, they can use it for concerts. Um, that they they are very much uh, utilising all the facilities within the within the property asset to to maximise a return. Uh, you know, West Ham make around about twenty seven twenty eight million pounds a year from matchday income. Spurs in a fall season, I, I can see them making around about one hundred and twenty. So there is a big gap there, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's reflected in the values of both clubs.
0: So, how much would West Ham be worth if they stayed at uh, Upton Park, the Bowling Ground, whatever they call it, depending on what mood they're in at the time? Um,
1: I, I, I would have put them in the three hundred to three hundred and fifty million pound bracket um, at, at, oh, the, wow. at the so old this, stadium. This... So, it's certainly it's certainly beneficial the move from from wow. the owners' point of view um because you know that they have got this increased capacity um they i think there is the opportunity with more hospitality on match days uh to make money as well and uh if if you if you're trying to uh sell the club to commercial partners and sponsors uh you know the the, the former olympic stadium does look quite spectacular even though you know it's mm-hmm. from a from a spectator point of view it's not a football stadium mm-hmm
0: yeah here's a club kieran that we haven't spoken about really since the very early days of the pod when you used to patiently explain to me how not to run a club um and it's whole city and their owners have confirmed that they are in discussions now to sell the club
1: yes um so the the alarm family have been trying to divest whole city um, since the club was last in the the Premier League, which was you know, as recently as 2016. Yeah. And I think at the time they were looking to sell it for around about £120 million. Um, that price has tapered and tapered since then. And, I, and it looks at today as if they're, they're probably going to accept somewhere in the region of, say, 20 to £25 million with some top-ups should the club get promoted to the Premier League. But what they have done is they have put out a statement. They've offered a, a period of exclusivity to a Turkish investor called, and apologies if I, if I mispronounce his name, Akon Ik- Ik- Ilikali. Um, he is uh, involved in the media. He is what we might refer to as a TV mogul um, mm. in, in cliche world. Um, and it looks as if he's got the money to put down a deposit uh on buying the club but uh there appears to be indications or or suggestions that the remainder of the money uh might have to come in installments or he might have to get funding from a consortium um so he he doesn't necessarily appear to have a huge amount of cash which which will no doubt disappoint Hull City fans because everybody hopes that when a new owner comes in the first thing they do out is they get out a blank checkbook and uh, you know, start splashing the cash on players, and Hull City have had a, a fairly mixed period of success since uh, since they were relegated from the Premier League. I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about Mr. Illichartley because he was involved uh, in a Dutch club called Fortuna Sittard, um, and and I think mm. he he withdrew his <clears throat> involvement there because um, he seemed to want to get involved. Um, perhaps on a more day to day basis, uh, and you know, having having owners who who think they know a lot about football isn't necessarily uh, a good thing. Um, and also, if we take a look at some of the comments which he's made with regards to Hull City, is that he wants to have Turkish players there you know, at the club, perhaps a Turkish manager. Um. You know, my view is if the Turkish manager and the Turkish players are the best in the business, then you recruit them. But yeah, you don't recruit a player or a manager because of nationality. You recruit them because of ability. And I'm a huge believer in a meritocracy. Um, so how that would work, uh, especially with the uh, with the point based system that we have uh, in terms of you know governing body endorsements um, to, for recruitment, I, I could be. Uh, challenging, um, but we'll we'll have to wait uh, and see with regards to that.
0: <clears throat> well, if they do shake hands on the deal, you'd like to think that the last thing the current owner says as he leaves the club is, oh, by the way, don't try and change the name of the team in the first week. It's, it's, that's not going to pan out well for you.
1: Yeah, uh, very, very, never very wise th- indeed. Yes, uh, and, yeah, and I think so it's still... I, I think it now really grates with Hull City fans that the name of the company that owns the club is Hull City Tigers Limited, even though the yeah. name
0: of the football yeah. club isn't. Again, it's, it's one of those clubs, Kieran. It's, it, it's almost impossible. It's like Plymouth Argyle. It's almost impossible to discuss Hull without wondering why they haven't become a bigger football team. Now, I know they've had seasons in the Premier League, but yeah, they've got yeah Newcastle bang on about being a one club. Town, the whole city adjust as much as that, and it's a fairly—it's not isolated, but it's—it's—it's it's it's got a, its own unique sort of ecosystem out there. And it, it I, potentially, it's a huge club, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes. I mean, I, I remember uh, when we were campaigning for a new stadium at Brighton, dro- driving up there and, and dropping in a six-foot Valentine's card to John Prescott, who was the <laughs> uh, the MP at the time.
0: Yeah, you weren't expecting uh, that, were you? Did, did that you? work? I wasn't expecting well, that. No, it was. It wasn't just from you, Kieran, was it? You didn't love. No, it. no. To be fair, <laughs> it was. Uh, it
1: it was. It was from love from all of us uh, on the south coast. Well, it, it did work in the sense that he he uh, he approved the planning permission for the ground, and uh, you know otherwise we'd still be that uh, god awful place at Withing
0: yeah uh, very nice selection of whiskey in John Prescott's office. I can't tell you the details of how I was in there drinking it, but um and also just to I've got a couple of mates who are whole city fans, and just to annoy my mates who are whole city fans, I'm just going to leave this item with these two words three words, in fact, white telephone boxes because <laughs> it, it drives them up the wall. There's more to our bloody Town than white telephone boxes, you know. It's like, oh, no, you've got white telephone. It's the first thing every copy says the first time they goes to an away game in Hull. There's, there were telephone boxes, are white. What's You stop You stop random strangers in the street in Hull and go, what's the matter with your telephone box, mate? It's the wrong colour. <laughs> um, great great, great music scene. So popular. Great music scene, though, in Hull. Uh, yeah, I big, well, I'm never a big fan. I never, never really forgave the house Martins for naming that. Album title. Um, <laughs> it's one of the reasons why Londoners are so. One of the reasons why the London football fan is so popular across the country because you just smash your phone box, mate. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting one, Kieran. Um, Oxford United. Uh, their prospective new owner plans to move the club to a new stadium, which which is odd because the old one has only recently been redeveloped.
1: Yes, um, th- we have a, a director of the club again. Uh, apologies for my mangling of his name, uh, Anindya uh, Barry, uh, he's uh, he's presently a director of the club. Uh, he's from Indonesia and he's trying to uh, put together a, an offer which will allow him to take over the club from the present owners. Um, the, the Kasem Stadium um, only has a 12,500 capacity. I think it's is it still only got three
0: sides to it. Yes, it has there's an end um, yeah. an end missing, yeah. Yeah, and, well, two, and technically before somebody before Kieran, before somebody tweets in two sides and two ends. Okay, there's an end yeah, missing, yeah. you know what, you know what our <laughs> listeners are like you know the the, <laughs> the accountants that listen to this show are like. <laughs> God love them. Well,
1: the the lease on the stadium expires in twenty twenty six. So they they've only got another uh you know, four and a half, five seasons left. Um so Mr. Barry has said that um, he wants a a sustainable club. He wants the club to be carbon neutral. Uh, I believe he's been speaking at COP26 as well. Um, and uh, he says, you know, if, if we have to have a new stadium, um, you know, provided it is close to the, the present location, he wants it to be as central as possible, which, which would be my concern, because, you know, if anybody's ever seen property prices in Oxford, uh, they they oh, are pretty yeah. eye watering so you know to get a big yeah. land uh, expanse there which would uh, be big enough for a football ground um, would be uh, would be quite a challenge but uh, again it's, you know, it's it's a club that uh, has has had the ups and downs uh, and, and a series of owners uh, you know I think you and I are both old enough to remember the going to the manor ground when Oxford had a, had a fantastic run of form Um yeah, um, you know John Aldridge and Dean Saunders and those type of players. Who you know they did extremely well. absolutely. And since then, you know, the, the club has been in the doldrums. So, um, yeah, another new owner potentially, another foreign owner potentially. You know, l- lots of people who who still see value in uh, in the English football system, um, and uh, you've got to wonder. how how they're going to extract money themselves um, unless they want to be just uh, yeah, benevolent owners.
0: Yeah. And based on the history of that club back in the day that you're talking about, Kieran, uh, another mental note for a new owner, don't try and merge them with Reading. They won't like that. Neither of them <laughs> yes. will <won't> like that. <laughs> strange story when Robert Maxwell tried to merge Oxford and Reading into the Thames Valley Royals. Now this next story, Kieran, I noticed on your social media, today you seemed quite worried about this you used the phrase it's squeaky sphincter time for Huddersfield fans because their chairman Phil Hodgkinson his legal firm has gone into administration
1: yes um, H- Huddersfield was sold by uh, the, their previous owner uh, at, who gave 75% of the club to to Phil Hodgkinson who appears to be paying for the installments um, partially through parachute payments and uh you know uh, Huddersfield Town they 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 were in the Premier League for two seasons which means that they get three years worth of of parachute payments but they are going to taper off um Mr Hodgson runs a company called Pure Legal um I'm not going to call them a bunch of ambulance chasers Kevin because that wouldn't be right (laughs) um but if you take a look at the reviews of Pure Legal uh, on Google reviews, um, they they score two point three out of five, um, which which isn't great, um, and uh, they and, and they have gone into administration. And you know, first and foremost, uh, you, your concern has got to be for people who potentially are going to lose their jobs. Um, and I think there are nine companies involved. Um, but if uh, if Mister Hodgkin is not making money from Pure Legal. Uh, he's certainly not money, earning making money from owning a football club in the championship because you know, as we know, it's it's a license to lose money. So how is he going to uh pay the ongoing costs? Um, how is he going to pay the outstanding instalments with regards to his commitments to uh to, to the previous owner? Is uh, you know, is is a little bit up in the air. So um, you know. As always, we, we just hope that uh, you know I'm, I'm perhaps I'm being you know, the the nature of the history of my work uh, as far as, yeah, far as finance is concerned does tend to be sort of you know a bit on the Eeyore side of things in terms of cheerfulness mm. um, and perhaps I'm being a bit over pessimistic here, but um, yeah I, I I would be concerned that uh, if you've got a club that's got operational losses and has got financial commitments to previous owners, where is that money going to come from? Um, and also the, the focus of Phil Hodgkinson is, is presumably going to be to, to try to assist the administrators as much as possible to, to have a business which can be sold on to somebody else uh, in, in his, his yeah. main business.
0: This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace, Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion... You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly,
1: and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items, to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone. Whether you're a Fortune 500 company... Or a freelance football finance lecturer
0: you can try notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football that's all lowercase letters notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action that's notion.com slash price of football occasionally veer into the uh, private Fraser, Chris witty, we're doomed mode, don't you? <laughs> that's but that's based on experience. But, but I mean, unfortunately, again, as I say, unfortunately, a lot of this is based on history and tradition. But Huddersfield surely are an attractive proposition for potential buyers, aren't they? Um, yeah,
1: yes, they yes they oh, are. Um, certainly, <laughs> well, I, I'd, I'd expect there to be interest. And remember, they are not in administration themselves. It's just a case of what is now going to happen. You know, is is the, is the previous owner Dina who, who who sold the club because his health wasn't great? Is he going to come back? Is he going to be paying the wages? He he's a lifelong fan of the club, um, but yeah, there's there's a bit of uncertainty. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a great believer in uh, yeah, I, 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 the one thing we know about the future is there is uncertain. But to, to try to minimise. The uh, the volatilities uh, are is, is something I always prefer uh, in all aspects of life. Uh, you know, dullness is uh, – there's a lot to be said for it.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> if I was a Huddersfield fan, Kieran, I'd be slightly concerned by that pause and then that um, – before you answered the question, they spoke volumes. Now, Kieran, here's a, here's a blast from the past, a slice of podcast history, a name we thought we'd consigned – to the dustbin, but unfortunately, he's like Elmo. He's lifted the lid. He's crawled out. He's back. It's Steve Dale, and Steve Dale has applied for his company, Dale Acquisitions Limited, to be restored after previously being struck off. Is this significant for Barry, Kieran?
1: Well, my my only concern here, Kevin, is that um, this is coming at around about the same time as uh, we had the recent announcements uh, with regards to the sale of Gig Lane. And uh, Steve Dale had this company called Dale Acquisitions, and in classic Steve Dale uh, style, he couldn't be asked submitting accounts. He didn't do that for five years. Um, the company was subsequently struck off uh, as you know, the, the, the government authorities eventually get round to doing, um, and, and nobody thought any more of it. And then for it to, to suddenly be resurrected um, sort of Jason Voorhees style from uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies um, was you know took took me by surprise, and then he submitted five years worth of accounts as well, uh, unaudited accounts. So you know how how reliable they are is is open to question. But but nothing happened in them for four years, and then in the final year, um, the one asset which the the company had um, was sold at a huge loss. And now he has a company which is in existence, but which is technically insolvent. Um, it, it just seems very strange, um, you know, that this is happening just after the, uh, the administrator says that there has been progress with mm. regards to what's happening um, at gig lane with regards to, you know, in, you know, in an ideal world, some form of Berry football club will return. Um, and uh, you know that would, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, Yep. Anybody that's monitored Steve Dale's behaviour um, since his first involvement with Bury Football Club will always be twitchy because there are people who know the system and who know how to play mm. the system. Um, and, and I can only go back to, to my former life uh, in, in the world of insolvency. Um, you, you know that you're dealing with with, with bottom dwellers um, and uh, they, you know, th- there is a role for scavengers in, in the corporate world, um, and some of them are better than others, and some of them do actually, uh, you know, resurrect companies and preserve jobs. That doesn't seem to be the case with Steve Dale, so that's why I'm just a little bit, uh, a little bit nervous that, uh, that this company that we thought no longer existed is suddenly uh, back amongst the living.
0: Uh, I'll have to take your word on Friday the Thirteenth, and I've never seen it. I don't like scary films. Um, um, I, I have to watch Carry On Screaming. I've Carry On Screaming, and I can only watch in small doses. <laughs> well, there's uh, a good reason for uh, that because it's horror. Yeah, well, it's, it's hilarious, but it's just it's, if I find that quite scary. Horror films and, and roller coasters. I just don't understand why. They- while he exist mm-hmm. it's like ali loves the, the, the more dangerous a roller coaster is you have to you can't stop her ed, when we took ed to disneyland when he was little it just it was me and him on the teacups all day and alice in wonderland <laughs> and ali, now, seriously he's the same he's as big a wuss as i, I was like no and ali was doing all, all the roller coasters for the whole day it's like well, even it's just, it, well mind you it's a small world after all he's Fucking scary, isn't it? That's the most sinister thing I've ever... Sp- my apologies for it. Again, Again, we got halfway through, Kieran, and we were still... The BAFTA people were still listening, and suddenly... Oh, he's talking about the teacups at Disney World. This is why we're not winning anything, Kieran. Um, although we think we might have been nominated for something at the FSA Awards, but we're not quite sure uh, yeah, yeah, what we, it we, is. We have, uh, we have I, definitely been nominated for something. We just don't know quite know what that something is. I think it's you that's been nominated. It's, it's best online media, but um, whatever it is, vote for us, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. The EFL, Kieran. So, again, any other pod would have a whole five minutes at the end telling people how they could vote for us. And just You and I just go, oh, I think we've been nominated for something. I'm not sure you can vote for us if you find out how to do it. I, this is a <laughs> producer guy who will be doing this nuts as he listens to this. This producer guy, producer guy specifically said, make a point about telling them to vote no, it's tawdry producer guy. Kieran and I are above that sort of thing. <laughs> or is this our subtle way of saying vote for us? Who knows? Um, the AFL, the EFL, Kieran, are thought to be exploring changes to the punishments they hand out to clubs that go into administration.
1: Yes, this this was a report which came out in uh, in one of the tabloids, whose name I will not mention. Um, and uh, I think the yeah you reading know, the reading the, uh, the second hand report. Of it, um, the EFL is uh, appears to be unhappy with clubs making appeals against against points deductions, um, which were supposed to be automatic when a club goes into administration. So we saw in 2020 the uh, the administrators of Wigan Athletic they put in an appeal. Um, it cost around about three hundred thousand pounds. That money came out of the coffers of the club, so effectively that money was paid for by the by the unsecured creditors of Wigan Athletic. Um, and that appeal failed. Appeal uh, failed, and uh, you know those costs therefore had to be borne by the by the by the uh, unsecured creditors in terms of their final dividend. Um, what is also appears to be happening with regards to Derby County is that their administrators are potentially going down the same route. They are saying that because of the impact of COVID, that was the the main driving force, um, which uh, which caused Derby County to go into administration, um, along with the EFL refusing to lend money to um, Derby, uh, and it's got absolutely nothing at all to do with the mismanagement uh, and financial. Uh, gamble yep. uh, that was taken by Mel Morris. So, so you know, th- that's that's the approach taken. Why are they willing to do that? It's because, um, you know, from a from a risk and return point of view, the risk is you, you spend three four hundred thousand pounds on an appeal, and if you are successful, you you get a, an additional uh, chance of, of playing in the championship, and that brings you in an extra six to seven million pounds. Uh, in terms of TV money and uh, and other revenues, so you know, from a from a risk and return point of view, you can see why the administrators are taking this approach. The noises which came via this report were that if a firm of administrators is going to appeal uh, against uh, administration, then that money has to come out of the administrators' own coffers rather than that of the the administration oh, okay. process itself. Um, i.e. effectively they're taking on it from a personal liability point of view I, I'm not convinced that legally they, that would work but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer um, but the other, the other thing is that if, uh, if a club does appeal uh, against going into administration and loses the appeal as we saw happen with um, Wigan Athletic then um, the, the alternative would be an automatic six point further penalty uh, so, you know, mm. you, you, it, it's a bit like, um, you know, if, uh, uh, if, if somebody's up on a, on a court case, uh, if you appeal, uh, sorry, if, if you, if you plead guilty, then the judge is going to probably give you a lower sentence that if you appeal, yeah. uh, you know, claim to be not guilty. So, so that's, uh, that, that's the, that's the story. We, we don't know how much meat is on those particular bones, um, but uh, it's certainly been mentioned in the, in the, in the local Derbyshire press and in at least one of the nationals. So you can understand it from I can understand it from the perspective of the administrator that if they feel that they they're, they're acting in the best interest in the club in the long run uh, but also from the EFL's point of view that uh, you know, if everybody who goes um, goes into administration, puts in for an appeal and blames it on COVID and blames it on the EFL and blames it on everybody uh, else, then uh, you know, they, they want to uh, punish the clubs involved. And, and, and this does appear to have some support amongst club owners, uh, especially those mm. those owners who perhaps have, have run the clubs um, on a more sustainable basis.
0: Mm. You, you kind of can't blame the clubs. Though. If, there's, if There's almost no negative sanction towards an appeal no matter how frivolous it is, and you might as well do it, as you say. So, it's, I mean, they just want to cut out the frivolous appeals, essentially, don't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, th- 300 grand is a, is a lot of money. Uh, remember, 20, uh, 20 members of staff have been made redundant at Derby County. Um, mm. You know, it, it does appear a little bit harsh that the administrators can't find the money to, to pay uh, for those former members of staff, but can find uh, a lot of money I to find, go and pay yeah. accountants and lawyers.
0: Yeah, fair point. Uh, it seemed very odd, Kieran, on Sunday, uh, I believe it was, the days were a bit muddled, as you'd understand at the moment, to hear Tottenham fans, well, some Tottenham fans, booing Harry Kane. And, and no doubt that's one of the reasons that Nuno Espirito Santo has been sacked by the club after just four months. But you've been looking at the numbers and you think he's been hard done by.
1: Well, it's not, it's not a case of hard done by, but we we have this phrase the big six and in mm. my view I don't think we should be making reference to a big six because Spurs don't really qualify uh, so once you actually go deeper into the numbers first of all you know they've the, the other members of the big six have won trophies which which Spurs have failed yeah. to do and that's not a criticism of Spurs, uh, you know, because there's there's plenty of clubs. You know, you know our, our if, you, if you look at the the trophy cabinets of our two clubs, then they're not exactly bulging, are they? Um, but well, uh, the,
0: the, the Kent Cup is the Kent. Uh, I'll, 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 I'm going to have to stop you there, Kieran, because the uh, the Kent Cup is quite ah. a sizeable trophy. Uh, oh, yeah, we, which we've got the Sussex Senior Trophy two as well. That's true, yeah, but the Kent Cup only lasted two years. I think it was it was no. us Charlton. And Maidstone and Gillingham, I think. So, yeah, it's a right, fourteen tournament that we've managed to win. Once. We also have the Zenith Data assistance trophy. But, yeah, yeah, you crack on. if you, you're, I'm sure your trophy, your, your trophy can is probably posher than ours, but our one, anybody with an allergy to silver could safely sleep in Palace's trophy can without <laughs> any worries.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, where is Spurs' natural Place within the, the football environment, um, so I, I went and took a look at what's happened in terms of Spurs finances over the course of the last decade compared to uh, yeah the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Chelsea, um, and Arsenal. So yeah, the, the other members of the. Um, of, of the sneaky six, uh, you know, given their behaviour towards the European Super League. Perhaps a, perhaps that's a more appropriate reference to them. And, and if you take a look, Spurs' income was around about £700 million less than the other clubs over that course. Their wages were substantially uh, below the the, the, uh, the the their peer group. Their transfer spend was around about a quarter of, of some of those other clubs. Um, and you know, football is an industry where money talks. So if you don't spend money on players and if you don't spend money on, on retention and recruitment, um, that will be reflected in, in your natural place. And you know, perhaps there's a case for saying that under Pochettino and also that's under Harry Redknapp, Spurs had two managers with whom they overperformed, did therefore the, mm. the fans... Uh, be, be, uh, become used to that level of performance um, and success on the pitch. You know, they did very well uh, in terms of qualifying for the Champions League, getting to the Champions League final and so on. Um, and then, you know, since, since Pochettino has has gone, you know, things have, have gone wrong. Now, you know, clearly my, my, my next door neighbour, Paul, he's, he's a Spurs fan, uh, and he, he, I, I saw him earlier this week, and he was. He said it, it's not just that we're not getting results; it's saying it's the style of football um, under Nuno, oh, well. um, and uh, which, which which you know th- then begs the question: given that he used to play that style of football at Wolves, at Wolves and, you know, absolutely. And remember, this isn't yeah. a football show. Why on earth go and recruit him? Because it just seemed completely well, damp, it's, but Financially, it, they're it's, it's, they're underperformance.
0: Yeah. It, it it's a shame this isn't a football show sometimes, Kieran, because there, there is a certain intangible to being a Tottenham manager, and your neighbour Paul has has hit the nail on the head because there are there are clubs. You know, West Ham fans still talk about the academy. Yep. Tottenham fans still talk about even fans that are way too young to have seen that team in the sixties still talk about push and run. They expect a certain style. Of attractive football, and if a manager doesn't produce that, look at look at Mourinho. They, they they didn't take to Mourinho, and he was relatively successful. If they don't produce that certain style of football, they're they're not happy. And and also, I mean, his other problem. Everyone knew he wasn't first choice as manager. It's as simple as that. Which is a hard thing. But I imagine he he you know his ego will be dented, but his wallet will be um bulging. I guess.
1: Well, he was only on a two year contract. Um, now, yeah, mm. he will get most of that. Uh, and, and he certainly he he wasn't in the upper echelons of uh, manager pay. Yeah, you know, the 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 highest paid managers in the in the Premier League got on close to twenty million pounds a year because remember they don't get paid weekly because they're, they're management, uh, as we've established. Um, but uh, yeah, he's 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 not going to be selling the big issue. What um, once he gets his pay off from mm. from Spurs.
0: Now, this is a story, Kieran, that we've been discussing in Potencia for for two years and the financial implications of it as well, because standing is returning to England in January. Well, and Wales, technically. For, not, not technically, actually, for the first time <laughs> in 25 years. Cause, and the, <laughs> I, 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 I can't be dealing with angry tweets from Wales at the moment, Kieran. Um, the five early adopter clubs are going to be Spurs, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City and... Cardiff City, which is, uh, is that five? It is five, yeah. Yes, it is five, um, yeah. So Spurs, Chelsea, it is five, yes. So it went over two lines, Kieran. So my attention span dropped at the end of the first line and I had to go back again. So, yeah, Spurs, Chelsea, Man United, Man City, and Cardiff City. Uh, do we know how many uh, seats are going to be turned into safe standing areas and how will it affect the finances? Because I was just surprised to learn, Kieran, the last time we spoke about this, that you thought – the, the standing spaces wouldn't be cheaper than actual seats?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I've got a seat and I stand. Uh, yeah, Whenever I go to a yes. way match, I'm, yeah. I, I pay for a seat and I stand. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I don't expect a rebate or a, a reduction. So um, the the nature of the, the technology uh, is that, that, you know, the, the aim is to prevent surges. Um, what we have at present... Uh, especially if you are an away fan, is that we've got unsafe standing in the seats uh, yes. at many grounds, yes, yes, yes. and also if you are behind the goal um, at at, you know, at many stadiums, then then a section or a, you know, a, a substantial number of people will be standing. Although that is technically against the rules, and there is sort of a you know don't 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 ask don't tell approach taken by clubs, and and every, everybody sort of you know nods along and, and knows what the rules are. Mm. Um. So the, the the proposals are that yeah, uh, at you know, in, in Spurs uh, we've got the potential for ten thousand people being able to stand. Now there's there is no way that um, Spurs will be reducing those prices. They just need they just move to a new stadium. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think fans will be particularly bothered either. Yeah, you know, I think they just prefer to stand mm. and be, would you know like the thought of being given the opportunity to do so. um yeah the, the only way that prices could realistically be reduced is if we have more uh standing places than we had seats so you know if if we get 120 standing places for every 100 seats then then yes you could reduce the prices and still have uh you know the same or a little bit more of income but from what i've seen to date um because they want this to be successful they don't want to be seen to be cramming people in um and, and therefore it looks like it's going to be on a one for one basis in terms of one lost seat equals one additional standing position so there's there's no way that the clubs who have who have spent money it's it's costing you know somewhere between 60 to 100 pounds i believe per seat um to to make them into uh, something where you can stand and we also have to take into consideration is that if, if some of these clubs we've got yeah we've got the two manchester clubs we've we've got uh, spurs and chelsea they are playing in the champions league or in the europa league under uefa rules you you have to have seats so it's it's a standing yeah, area yeah. which has to be converted um, for european football
0: and i know we have discussed this before kieran but for those people who don't listen to every pod and i've learned that there are a, a couple um <laughs> In, initially, when, when 10 to 15 years ago, the first talk of safe standing being reintroduced happened, it was from an economic basis. It was from fan groups who thought that fans had been priced out of football and that having standing areas would automatically mean they were less expensive. But clearly that isn't the case, is it, as you just explained? No,
1: because you know, the, 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 from from the club's point of view, it's actually costing them additional money uh, because they, they've had to, to go to it, for yeah. these... Uh, you know, particular, particularly engineered uh, seats which can be converted. You know, both for standing and seating purposes. Um, mm. So the, the the benefits are going to be from a uh, you know personal enjoyment perspective. Generate future, you know, greater atmosphere. You've only got to look at some of the 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 German grounds and some of the amazing yeah. uh, banks that mm. you see there. Um, and, and I think you know the, the clubs are. Are conscious that we have gentrification of football fans, and this is a way of of getting people, you know, a back on their feet. But you you can make more noise when you're standing. It's it's simply, you know, from a from a biological perspective as much as anything else.
0: Mm. Is that true? I suppose. Yeah, you you very rarely see singers sitting down, do you? I suppose.
1: Val Doonican. Okay. Elton John. Yeah,
0: I was okay. going to. I was going to get. I was going to go Elton John, but you went even further back. I <laughs> came Val Dunican, Uh for the <laughs> to save younger listeners. Val Doonican was, do was an Irish crooner <laughs>
1: He used to
0: <laughs> he used to sing in a rocking chair, wearing jump. My God, we we had some terrible things to watch on TV in those days, didn't we? Um, yeah, but was it Paddy McGinty's uh, two going more news stories. yeah, uh, that was my mum used to sing that singing yeah. I never understood the, how he. It's again for those listeners who don't know. "Paddy McGinty's Goat" is a song about an Irishman who comes into some money, buys himself a goat, and has plans to make all sorts of butter and milk-based products. And then, only too late, realizes that the goat is a male. It's a bit, and yeah, it doesn't take a lot of checking. Most Irish people are from a rural background. You'd think you'd just have a quick look, wouldn't you? Wouldn't. You no, know, it always baffled me that song. A lot of the things my mum sang baffled me, to be perfectly Also, depending on what time of night it was, she was singing them, to be perfectly honest, Kevin. <laughs> um, two <laughs> more just, <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. You hadn't. We've we, oh, got an Irish there. mother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so mother, she's. Please don't wake me up at three o'clock in the morning to show me off. to... So. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not my fault. I was a beautiful child, Kevin, is it? It's. Um, Uh, Two more news stories, Kieran, and one of them is a rare piece of good news for Oldham Athletic.
1: Yes. um, Oldham have uh, got a toxic relationship between the fan base and the ownership. Um, Their their accounts are uh, erratic, is the politest way I can describe them, when when they do actually put them out. And they have been subject to two embargoes. From the EFL, one is in respect to what's called a monitored loan, whereby um, they are they are limited as to what they can do with money from the EFL, um, which has been provided. But the other one, which was a lot more serious, was um, they were unable to sign anybody, even players out of contract, um, due to some outstanding football debts and and. Um, you know, to, to give the EFL credit, they, they do now have a, a very good part of their website, which is called the governance section, which lists all of the um, outstanding uh, transfer embargoes when they come and go. Uh, uh, all, all that I would ask, it would, be, it would be great if they could send out an email to us when, uh, to, uh, mm. to let us know when they do change. But the eagle-eyed Oldham fans spotted that one of these uh, embargoes has been lifted. Um, and it will give the club uh, a bit more flexibility with regards to to trying to recruit players. Oldham uh, aren't having the best of times, so um, you know. It, for me, it's a, it, it's it's a classic club that I remember uh, for, for for mainly bad reasons because Oldham always used to go and slaughter us, and Mark Ward always used to score goals against us. <laughs> um, but uh, you, you know. Th- th- you want you want football to be on as even a playing field as you can from a recruitment mm. point of view, and to have such strict embargoes made it very difficult. But it also forced the, the club owners to to settle the outstanding debts on on transfers. So you, you can see why the EFL took the the approach that they did.
0: Mm. Um, news from the city to end with Kieran, and it's my opportunity to say that. I'm I'm reasonably certain that my wife, Ali, loves me. I'm, I'm fairly convinced of that, and she's been absolutely wonderful this week. But it turns out, Kieran, that I've got one or two bad habits that really, really annoy her. And one of them is when she's listening to the news on BBC Radio at the end, when they say, in the city, I have to sing at the top of my voice, there's a thousand things I want to say to you. You know, and it turns out right, that the so first so. time I did it, it was quite charming. But the fact that I'm still doing it, <laughs> however many years later, really, how can you not do it? And she to Ali, <laughs> Ali's point, and yeah, my point is, it's never not funny. And it turns out that Ali disagrees with me. <laughs> um, mildly amusing the first time, but not funny. But um, an intro a city a city law firm has been fined for breaking the rules over payments to football agents.
1: Yes, this is a um, a firm called Mishcon, and this relates to five transfers in relation to uh, Premier League, um, and, and it seemed to be quite technical that the the, the lawyers were using uh, clients' money, by the looks of it, to make payments to third parties. Now, um, if if you are looking after money from a cl- for a client, you you can't effectively. Act as a bank and 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 pay off other parties uh, out of that money. Hmm. So um, I, I spoke to one of our uh, friendly lawyers who um, I, I, I won't use the exact words that he said about this uh, this law firm Mishcon, but um, they, they they were not glowing with praise. Um, so right. yeah, it's it a bit like uh, my, my relationship with Arthur Anderson. Uh, back in back in the world backy world of accounting, um, so they, they, they are a, a law firm who are very successful, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're popular for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. Um, so they, they have been fined in relation to this and although it was a fairly nominal fine, twenty five thousand pounds, They they spent five hundred and seven thousand pounds on legal costs defending themselves because clearly, as as a law firm, your your reputation is uh, is absolutely critical. Um, But it it does show that uh, you know even in the Premier League that uh, there are huge sums sloshing around, and that lawyers and agents and accountants are working uh, in conjunction with another and. There are rules that have to follow. I mean, th- this has been a case which has taken a long time to to come to mm-hmm. uh, fruition. Um, yeah, you know, and it's you know th- the police don't like prosecuting the police, uh, politicians don't like pol- uh, prosecuting politicians, as we're seen with the with the gradual uh, destruction of d- democracy in in parliamentary UK. Um, and, and the same is mm. true with uh, the legal profession. So um, it, it's not the fact that it's just a small fine. It, I think from reputationally, uh, it, it's it's quite a significant issue. Mm. Well,
0: from huge amounts of money to little tiny amounts of money. Uh, if you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to our always free to air pod, that would be very kind of you. Then please go to patreon.com slash price of football. And if you have a question you'd like answered on our Monday show, email us at questions at price dot com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell.
1: Well, once again, folks, thanks for all the kind words. Um, it's uh uh, yeah we we, we we do take them on board both good and bad um but uh you know if, if you don't want to go down the patreon route uh it, according to producer guy it, it makes uh makes a difference if you could give us a review if you, if you could give us five stars that would be fantastic it doesn't actually matter what you say you could say you would prefer the show was presented by sir david attenborough and dame helen mirren and i would be all ears for that particular <laughs> show if it ever takes place
0: <clears throat> we that, that's one we have to make happen um, yes thank you for listening and don't forget to vote for us on whatever it is we've been nominated for uh, on the Football <laughs> Football Supporters Association Awards that would be very lovely thank you everybody and thanks once again podcast, for all your kind words. Well. <laughs> bye <laughs> really there's, there's no way we'd get nominated for that bye bye everybody My son foot of